The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of view. How does it feel for you? Einstein said he could never understand it all. Planets are spinning through space. Smile upon your face. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of Sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love ride. Welcome to turning hard times into good times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am Jay Taylor, uh, your host for this show. Now, we're going to a two-hour format now, this, uh, starting this winter season, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's going to give us a chance to involve the people, uh, the listeners more, I hope, and I think we're going to have more time to talk to some of our very interesting guests. We have found in the past that we just haven't had as much time to talk to some of our to our guests and get them to talk as extensively. They had so much more good things to say, but we didn't have the time to get to that. So we think this year, with uh, this season with a two-hour format, it should work really well. Well, I'm talking to you today from a small town in Ohio, Kidron, Ohio, and the reason is because of the unexpected and rather rapid uh, decline in my father's health and his passing away. We are here to, uh, uh, to remember my father, Evan Taylor, who lived to be 85 years old, uh, he was a, a really good dad. He did a great job of bringing up myself and my uh, three younger brothers. Uh, dad taught us, uh, he was a very godly man, and he taught us a lot of good things about how to treat our fellow man and how we should live our lives. So I think if there's anything good that I bring to you on this show, in large part, it is um, it is a result of of, of dad's life and, uh, and the way and the things he taught me and my brothers and uh, the way he lived his life. So I just wanted to to get that plug in for my father, who will be laid to rest tomorrow, 
um, and go to his eternal home. We, and we're so thankful for Dad's uh, life. Well, this, as I said, is uh, the start of our winter season. We're going to a two-hour format, and I'm very excited about this. Uh, we're going to have more time, as I said, with our guests and for questions and comments. We're going to have more time to talk to Chen Lin and Roger Wiegand, my two, my two partners, um, who are excellent partners, and both of them have done very well with their investment advice and their newsletters, and you can learn more about their newsletters. Actually get some inexpensive trial subscriptions, and many of you have taken advantage of this just to check out their newsletters to find out whether what they have is of use to you. Well, I can tell you that Chen, for example, Chen Lin has had an amazing track record, and I can document this. Chen has documented he took $5,400 in January 3rd of 2003 and has turned that into $630,000 in seven years. Chen is an amazingly hardworking, very smart investor, and he came to me a number of years ago, um, a couple of years ago actually, only seeing me on BNN television and liked a lot of the things I was investing in. We've become good friends and partners, and Chen is going to be playing more and more of a role, I think, in this, in this newsletter or in this uh, radio broadcast and he's going to be with us in a few minutes. And Roger Wiegand uh, brings a specialty in the futures markets and in the um, in the futures markets and commodities, and uh, in the options markets that uh, that yours truly does not have. And he also brings some very valuable information to us. Roger will be with us in the last segment of the second hour this week. Today's special guest is David Tice. David is the founder of the Prudent Bear Fund, and he is currently the bear market strategist for what is known as the Federated. Prudent Bear Fund now. David has been a friend of mine for oh, more than a decade. Uh, he's a frequent guest on CNBC, Bloomberg, and other major television networks, and I'm sure David's going to have some very, very important and informative things uh, to say about the economy and where he thinks the markets are heading. So you won't want to miss uh, David Tice, who will be coming on following Chen Lin. Uh, before we get to Chen, I just want to thank uh, our sponsors who make this show commercially possible. We have Fangold. Hawthorne Gold, Magellan Minerals, Timmins Gold, International Wayside, Crocodile, Gold Corp, Metanor Resources, Riverside Resources, Western Pacific Resources, Pediment Gold, and Resource Consultants. Now that's for a two-hour show, so we have many more sponsors now, but we are very grateful to each and every one of them for their contribution. They're making it a, uh, themselves or their financial uh, resources available to help us put this show on, and we will be talking to the CEOs of each of those companies in due course uh, to uh, let them tell their story uh, and tell you about their companies. These are, without a doubt, some very, very interesting investment opportunities here. I also want to personally thank uh, Resource Consultants, is the only sponsor that I named there who is not also uh, a mining company. All the others are mining companies. Resource Consultant is headed by a fellow who's also going to be joining us today to talk on this show, Pat Gorman. Pat Gorman himself is a radio host of a show, a radio show out of um, out of Phoenix, Arizona. But Pat's company, Resource Consultants, is also a gold and silver coin dealer. And Pat has a wealth of information about the precious metals markets and the markets in general. So we're going to have Pat Gorman talk to us today later in the show as well. Before we get to our special guest, um, before we get to, uh, to Chen Lin, in fact, I just want to uh, just talk a little bit about the investment performance of my newsletter this last year. It, it gained 78%, 78.09 to be exact, and we recouped a lot of the horrible losses we had in 2008. A $1,000 investment in January 1st of 2000 
would now be worth $2,733. Now, if you took that same amount of money, $1,000 in January of 2000, uh, 2000, and put it where Abby Joseph Cohen told you to put it, namely in the S&P 500, that 1000 would have actually shrunk to $759. And, of course, that's before inflation. So after inflation, you would have really lost your shirt in the equity markets over the last decade. But that's really history. So what really matters now is not what happened in the past so much as where do we go from here. Looking at this year, uh, here's the way I've broken down the allocation in my own portfolio for my newsletter, and those of you who subscribe would be well aware of this. We're putting 20% into progress, what I call Progress A gold producing mining companies, companies that are now actually producing gold from the ground. We've got 40% of our portfolio in speculative gold shares. We've got 10% in gold and silver bullion. Uh, and we're doing that through the Central Fund of Canada. We have 5% in uranium shares, 5% in oil and gas, 10% in the Prudent Bear Fund. That is the fund that was started by my special guest, David Tice, today. And we have 10% in the Rydex inverse um, long U.S. Treasury Fund. We believe that interest rates, long interest rates are likely to rise this year, and we want to try to hedge ourselves against that uh, that negative event and try to profit from it. So, again, I would like to uh, invite you to call Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426 to learn more about uh, our various newsletters, that of uh, Chen Lin, Roger Wiegand, and myself. Uh, just another uh, comment or two before we get to Chen Lin. Let's see, how much time do we have here? Um, we're looking at four minutes approximately. Okay, so... Uh, we also, uh, we, we, before we get to, uh, to Chen Lin, I just want to remind you that I believe that we are in one of the greatest bull markets for gold in history, and gold mining shares even more so. Gold mining shares do especially well during deflationary events. Inflation, I'm not so sure about gold mining shares. Yes, the price of gold will go up, but what about the cost of getting it out? We saw last year that gold mining shares benefited very, very greatly after the Lehman Brothers debacle, after the Lehman Brothers failure, because commodity prices collapsed much more than gold prices did. Energy costs went down, materials costs went down, labor costs went down because there were miners available from the base metal mines, and the gold mining companies have done extremely well as a result of that deflation. Now, this is a, an insight from Bob Hoy, who has been one of our guests on this show. Over uh, last year, Bob was with us for three, three different occasions, and I expect we're going to have Bob back on a fairly regular basis as we go forward in 2010. Um, what Bob has noted is that uh, over the last 300 years, we've had, prior to this one, five major credit expansion, credit contraction episodes. He believes this is the sixth major credit uh, uh, contraction in the last 300 years. In each of those cases, during the contraction phase of these long cycles, you had about a 20-year period in which the real price of gold rose. That is, what an ounce of gold would buy rose dramatically during those 20-year periods. And we had Bob Hoy on just a couple of weeks ago, and he told us he thinks that the first two, uh, the first two, we've only gone through two years now, 2007, in his, in his view, is when the real gold bull market started. Now, lots of people think we've had a long bull market in gold and it must just be about over. Hoy says not at all. In fact, if you look at the real price of gold, when an ounce of gold will buy, Bob Hoy thinks we've just started. And I believe that that is probably the case, especially if you believe we're going to head into a deflationary period of time. And I think that is a very real possibility. We'll uh, see what David Tice has to say about that and some of our other guests. Uh, possibly uh, Pat Gorman will have some things to say about that, too, later in the hour, or in the second hour, I should say, of today's show. 
the main thing, though, that you have to keep in mind is that uh, you, you want to watch each of these companies very, very carefully because each company is a lot different. And the junior mining companies are different. They're much higher risk than just owning the gold bullion itself. If you own the bullion, you have it in your hand, you, you, you own it. Uh, when you're buying up mining shares, you're buying really risks. You're, you're taking on risk, I should say. You're buying a company, its management, its particular uh, a- aspects that make it valuable or make it less valuable. Political risks come into play. Many, many variables come into play. And one of the, one of the best investors, one of the, the, the smartest and keenest people that I know with respect to uh, figuring out these, these issues with, uh, concerning mining companies is Chen Lin, and as I said, Chen will be with us just in a couple of minutes now as soon as uh, we come back from the station break. But I would suggest very strongly that you consider also uh, looking at individual stocks, and if you can't do your homework and watch each of them uh, specifically, then you want to buy a portfolio of gold shares, and next week we're going to have John Hathaway of the Tocqueville Fund on to talk, talk to us about that. Uh, we're going to go to station break, and when we come back, we're going to have Chen Lin with us, who is, I, I think, uh, stock picker extraordinaire, uh, to tell you what some of his thoughts are and where he thinks you should put your money as we head into the new year. I'll be right back. Don't go back. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. 
I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, we have one of my two partners with me now, Chen Lin. Uh, I've been talking about uh, Chen Lin for some time on this show. He's been a friend of mine now for a couple of years, and we started working together at the beginning of, of last year. Uh, as I mentioned in the first segment of this show, Chen has had a remarkable, I don't know if remarkable is a strong enough word, a very, very strong track record, taking $5,400 uh, in a Roth IRA in 2003 and turning it into something like $637,000 at, uh, at the end of last year. So in the seven short years, uh, made that kind of a remarkable uh, return on his investment. And I don't know about you, but when you... Uh, meet somebody who is really successful. You want to try to learn what you can from them. And we have Chen Lin on with us now to be uh, to help us all learn something about investing. Of course, Chen would like you to try his newsletter. Uh, you can get a, uh, a low cost um, a, a low cost trial by calling my assistant Claudio Bossi in New York at seven one eight four five seven one four two six at seven one eight four five seven one four two six. Well, welcome, Chen. Glad to have you back, and happy New Year to you. Thank you, Jay. Happy New Year. Uh, you had a remarkable record last year, as I just said. I don't know exactly, um, you know, how much you gained last year. I haven't looked at those numbers. I just look at those that seven-year um, that seven-year track record, and it is, as I said, very remarkable. Can you tell us what was uh, what were some of your big winners last year? What what made you a lot of money last year? Uh, the uh, a couple of uh, quite a few stocks. Um, I made a lot of money actually before my, I start my newsletter. Uh, there's a company called Central Sun that I made a, a lot of money. There's another uh, stock called the East Asia Mineral. That's also I made a lot of money. Uh, East Asia probably the best performer as I know uh, last year. The for junior is up about thirty fold in, in last year. So, so thirty fold. So when what, what yeah. caused Okay, what caused you to buy that stock? What was what? What were the factors that caused you to buy it? Oh, that that uh, part of it is I know the management, I know the company uh, pretty well. So, uh, 
So I keep discussing with them because they used to have a uranium and they sold the uranium property and pay a big dividend, a dollar thirty dividend. So I have a very good track record. And stocks dropped to like fifteen cents at the beginning of last year. So I talked to the company. They know they have a drilling program coming and they have a very good property. And it's uh, I met the management in the conference in January, and you know all these are coming. And I think it's very promising, you know, worth, worth the shot. And I saw the sample they gave me um, in the conference. I think it's really, really promising. And it turned out it was a home run. So those are stock. And then later on, I start my um, investment newsletter. Uh, yeah. One company made me a lot of money. is the Asica Energy. That's why it's still on my recommendation list. Uh, it's more than double. And is that, that, just to be clear about that, is that Ithaca, is that spelled I-T-H-I-C-A? Yes. Ithaca? Yes. And, and what's right. the symbol on that? Uh, I, it's, the, the symbol is I A E. Okay, Idea and, and Edward. Okay. How, uh, how well did you do with that one, and and why? What made you buy that one? Oh, the the reason what about that one was was pretty simple. I was looking for energy, and I was very scared. The, you know, we were the the world can can fall apart again. Uh, I wasn't, you know, wasn't expecting we will have a big rally. So I said, well, I want to buy energy, I want to buy something safe. So at that time, the company, when I bought it, they have a very strong cash. Uh, as almost half of the balance sheet is cash. For energy companies, it's very, very unusual. Okay, and they have very strong cash flow. I calculate they're trading at two times cash flow, even all you at $50. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, wow. okay, I just buy the stock, I make a major bid bet on the energy, and if all you go below 50, go to $30, I may lose a little bit of money, but they have so much cash, so they have a cushion. Downside is very limited. If all you stay above 50, then they will have as much cash as the market cap next year. So, you know, I'm win-win situation. So it's a very low risk, so I was able to accumulate a lot of shares, and now it's really taking off. It's just going up uh, like every day. Every That's day fantastic. Well, so those were a couple of your big winners last year, Chen. Uh, what about this year? Now, I know some of your favorite favorite picks are a couple that are in my newsletter as well. Golden Minerals, for example, Alexis Minerals, Metanor Resources. Those are three companies that I like a lot and have in my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks. But what do you like? Uh, let's take Golden Minerals first. Why are you so keen on Golden Minerals? Well, Golden Minerals is a... Uh... It's a it's story. is like they have 45 property. You know, your junior usually have just one or two property. They have 45 because they were they it's a it's the basic successor of the Apex Silver. So Apex Silver was early on, so they grabbed the best property, 45 of them, and then they have pretty strong, very strong cash position right now. Have almost 20 million cash, okay. And and then their their drilling results have just has fantastic drilling results. 300, I mean, 3,000 grams per ton, drilling over wow. 12 meters silver. That's probably the best I've seen last year. So over 12 meters, you know, it's very, very big, fat intersection. And also, people didn't realize they have 45 properties. One of the properties actually located between Gold Corp, Penisquito Mine, and Complex. Complex, wow. we know Gold Corp is bidding $270 for complex. I don't know whether bidding war is finished or not. Maybe there's more bidding coming. But they're just sitting between Gold Core Mine and, uh, and, uh, and complex property. Okay, between them it's about 40, 50 kilometers. So they, but, you know, but Golden Mineral are just sitting in between. 
Uh, so, you know, those uh, the, the, just one property can worth a lot of money. Their market cap mm-hmm. is only 40, 40, uh, 45 million. Market cap. Forty five million. So the the share prices are around ten dollars, I think. There's just not very many shares out yet. And they're going to do an IPO though, I think, are they not? They're going to do IPO on Amex, right? I don't know when they're gonna do and you know, I you know, and and but the basically they're gonna list it on Amex, that will be have more liquidity and hopefully have more institution support. Right now they already have like two uh two strongest uh uh companies behind them. One is a private equity and Centian, and another is Hotchild, which is a very strong, you know, silver company in in London. They have been supporting company like Gold Resource and others, and did very very well. So this is their new reinvestment. So though so this looking really good, you know, because not just me, but you know, people with a lot of experience, you know, in this field, they all you know they all invest in this company, so make it very very attractive. Well, that's right, Chen. And there's one that we, uh, one of our guests that we had on some time ago, who I know is very keen on that, and that's Brent Cook, geologist Brent Cook, who also uh, writes a newsletter on mining stocks and very highly regarded for his skills and is a uh, very, very tough grader, by the way. Brent Cook, you don't find too many companies that uh, that Brent Cook likes to buy shares in, but I understand Golden Minerals is one that he likes a lot as well. Yeah. Okay. What about what about Metanor Resources? And you and I are going to go up and visit Metanor this coming weekend to visit a couple of their properties. What do you like about Metanor? Yeah, the Metanor is really is uh, their interception. They have this a uh, big fat again, big fat interception, like thirty meters over nine gram. It's from the surface. Okay, so it it, it looks like I, I was talking to many people in 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 the field. It looks like a Godex, you know, Amigo uh, uh, um, Eagle. Right, and then but it's uh, coming from the surface instead of going, you know, a few thousand feet underground. So it's from the surface, and then can go all the way down there, and then have a big, big discovery. So that that really excites me. Well, that's uh, that's good. So we'll know more about that, of course, when you and I go there. We're going to be able to. Uh, it's always good to go to these properties if you can do it. I mean, certainly there's information you can't get from the. From the, in the written form when you go to see these properties and get a better sense of it. What about Alexis Minerals? Now, they are, uh, we should mention that Metanor is in Quebec, and so is Alexis Minerals in Quebec. What about Alexis Minerals? Why do you like that one? The reason I like it is that they're, they're getting, putting most of their app together. Right? They're, they're building their mill. The mill just, you know, uh, been built. Uh, they're under budget, on time. So they start have their mill processing the ore. Uh, starting the end of uh, December of last year, and then they have uh, their they have already have mine, one mine in production, have another mine coming. Uh, they're 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 type those are they're they're going pretty narrow vein, so the cost is relatively high. But however, those companies do very well in the high gold uh, environment. When gold price is high, their margin actually increase much high, much more than the low cost producer. So. So that this is have a company will do well in the high gold price. Uh, Alexis will because it's it's relatively high cost. So once you get over that that cost barrier, then you start to realize much better uh, operating performance, and the market will start to recognize, and you'll see the rise in the share price significantly. Exactly, and then they have a big land package. Once they start generate cash flow, they can you know they can build another mine they just acquire, um, and then also they have a big land package they can explore. You know, systematically. So that's you know, when your cash become a small company like Alexis, come cash flow positive. That's where you know it's getting very, very interesting. 
Right. Now, there's one other uh, non-mining company, North Star Healthcare, that you like a lot. Can you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah, I mean, I always want to have some diversification, okay? I don't. I feel uncomfortable holding all the stock in gold and silver, plus some energy, plus some agriculture. Uh, one of the areas I identify in two, for 2010 is healthcare. I think mm-hmm. this uh, healthcare reform bill is going to be a more, uh, generate a lot more business for the healthcare company without mm-hmm. really controlling the cost. So actually, at the end, the national debt will go much higher, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, that's the future. But... Just for the near term, the healthcare company will do very, very well because they basically guarantee insurance for most of American people, right? So they will see a lot more people. They will have more revenue coming in. So North Star Healthcare is one particularly extraordinary undervalued. Why I wouldn't say, you know, company extraordinary undervalued for some good reason. The company, you look at the, the balance sheet, they have no debt. Uh, they have a lot of cash, uh, about half of the market cap is, is cash, okay? And then they have a huge tax write-off. This, this company uh, was a uh, $12, $10, $12 stock paying over a dollar dividend not far ago, not, not long ago, you know, a couple of years ago. And it ran into insurance disputes, and then the insurance refused to pay. And it has been resolved. That's the issue, just resolved. So, you know, you, you look at the situation looking forward, they, they have a... They, they, they have a they basically, on the balance sheet, had over $100 million tax write-off, tax credit. Wow. So that was, along with at least $3. Mm-hmm. This company now trading less than a dollar. So All right, Chad. Like, well, I think you know, that we're, we're just about ready to wrap this section up. Basically, if I hear what you're saying, you are very, very concerned about risk. You're looking for big returns with low risk. What a, what a trade-off. And, you know, here's the thing that's really unique about you is you've actually managed to... Uh, to perform along those lines, based on what I see from 5,400 into, you know, 637,000. That's, that's remarkable. Uh, Chen, uh, can you stay around here? I'm not really sure if we've got David Tice with us or not, who's supposed to be our special guest. We've got Roger Wiegand on with us, and we might have, oh, um, okay, we might, we might actually have uh, you and Roger on together for a few minutes. Would you stick with us just for a little bit, and we'll see if, if David comes on. I know he was coming back from a flight uh, was on the air, airplane, and he may or may not make it back here uh, to start uh, with as, a, as our special guest this week. But uh, would you hang on for uh, with us just for a few more minutes, and we'll get right, to wait, some other you. questions? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, sure, I wanted right. to ask you some things about China and some other things if you're available. So uh, hold on just a second. Sure. We're going to take a break now, and hopefully David Tice will be here. Uh, we've got Roger Wiegand ready if he's not. So, and by the way, folks, you can call in with your questions. Um, and we'll get that number for you as soon as we come back from the break. We'll be right back. It's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love you're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. We're really privileged to have David Tice with us. He was the founder of the Prudent Bear Fund. 
Uh, David is currently uh, the bear market strategist for the Federated Prudent Bear Fund. Uh, he has been uh, at the forefront of bear market investing for more than 20 years. I've probably known David over the past 10 years or so, met up with him on a mining trip in the southwestern part of the United States in the early 90s or so, and uh, have followed David's career uh, at a time even before he started. Well, I'm not sure exactly. When did you start the Prudent Bear Fund, David? Uh, welcome to our show. Well, glad to be here, Jay. Happy holidays to all your listeners. And I must tell you, I love the name for your show, Turn Hard Time. You, you know, uh, we want to do that, David. You know, I was on a uh, on a panel discussion with um, uh, with Dennis Gartman one time recently at a gold show, and Dennis Gartman said, "You gold bugs," he said, "all you guys really want to do is see the world suffer and go through hell so you can get rich." And I said, Dennis, you don't understand. You really don't get it right because that's not what we want at all. We see the world going to hell because of the policies that you espouse, essentially. And we don't want it to go to hell, but what we're trying to do is protect our families. And we want to turn hard times into good times. I'm sure you share that sentiment, David. Exactly. And uh, if you are prepared, it really doesn't have to be that bad of a time. And and then you can, uh, if you're philanthropically oriented, you can give a lot more and make a bigger difference, you can change, uh, you know, lots of people's lives, and I think that's why you and I are, in essence, missionaries trying to get the word out. Well, that's right, David, and, I, and with regard to that uh, philanthropic uh, uh, sort of topic, I think that you do, in fact, uh, and have given to some, a couple of very worthy causes. Uh, could you talk about that just briefly before we get into the nitty-gritty of what we want to talk about today? Oh, well, I'm... I'm Starting a charity that uh, right now I don't want to talk a whole lot about, but okay. it's going to revolve around movies and kids, and yes. I'll be making a, a major uh, public effort in that uh, regard down the road. And, and teaching kids good values, I think, something something along those lines. Exactly. Uh-huh. Well, that's, uh, that's a very noble cause because, um, well, I'm a lot older than you, David, I think, at least 10 years older than I uh, so I can go back into the 50s and reach back to that time and remember when you watched Ozzy and Harriet, uh, Ozzy and Ozzy and what? I don't remember anyway. Ozzy and Harriet. My three sons, my three sons, and things like that. And if you go back and look at those times, it, they certainly were different in the values that people had and kids had, I and mean, the other work ethic that we had at one time, right? Exactly. And so I am excited about this project. And uh, but anyway. Uh, well, uh, I started the Prudent Bear Fund in 1996, Jay. Well, 1996. I wasn't sure exactly the date. And, you know, how has the fund done? We've had a bear market now most of that time. Uh, we've had some, well, I guess actually you started at the, the bear fund. We had the last run of the bull market up to 2000 about, right? Right. We lost money in the four years from 96, 97, 98, 99. And people ask me, what, what in the world was I thinking starting this so early? But... Actually, 1996 was the first year that Alan Greenspan made his famous irrational exuberance speech. Mm -hmm. Al was about mm -hmm. 6,300, and I think it was October 96. And mm -hmm. so, there, frankly, we think that interest rates were kept too low, and we ended up following the, the flawed Keynesian policies that got us into this mess, uh, such that the, the market crashed in 2000 to 2002 uh, because of what happened from 96 to uh, 2000, and in fact, prior to that. Right. So, is that what what inspired you to start the fund? Was this uh, this deep sense of, of of difficulty we were going to fall that we we're going to fall into because 
of Keynesian economics? I can't say that I understood it uh, in 1996 that well. Uh, mm-hmm. I started at that point because I felt like the market was overvalued. I felt mm-hmm. like uh, I had shorted stocks for uh, people before, and a vehicle didn't exist where uh, small investors could uh, participate with a hedge, uh, except going through a hedge fund that, where they had to be an accredited investor. So mm-hmm. we figured out a way to make that available to individuals. Uh, as I read more through 97, 98, 99, I started to understand uh, Keynesian economic theory and really the Austrian School of Economics. I read Lud- Ludwig von Mises and mm-hmm. uh, also uh, a guy that was very instrumental to me was uh, Richard Boscher, uh the sure. famous Austrian thinker who just died recently. Mm-hmm. Well, I can remember on that bus, David, down there in, in Arizona, I think it was a few years before that, and you were you were really uh, coming to grips with that stuff then. I can remember, I can't remember specifically com- conversations, but I remember the topic was, the prevailing topic, uh, when we weren't talking about rocks and, and gold in the ground and stuff, it was more to do with... Uh, you know, with Austrian economics, and uh, the lights were definitely going on in your in your head at that point in time, and you've really called it right. I mean, you really have called it right. Um, although I'm not sure Wall Street is ready yet to acknowledge that. How are they? No, they're not in the least willing to acknowledge it. I was recently on a panel for USA Today with Abby Joseph Cohen and David Bianca from Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, and a couple other guys who run big mutual fund complexes, and they, they all see it as everything's fine. They feel like the market's selling it 16 times earnings, and even though the consumer's not coming back, the international markets are going to push uh, the uh, profits up and that the S&P is fairly valued, and we just don't see it that way at all. Okay, well, uh, the international markets, so they're talking about China and Asia, I suppose. They think those those places are going to really pick things up and, and drive the whole world economy. Is that their thinking? Uh, yes. Um, you do, with the Prudent Bear Fund, so you're helping individuals short the stock market. I mean, it's something I don't want to do, David. I've been a holder of the Prudent Bear Fund. We've had it in our newsletter for a while, a number of years. I had one uh, listener uh, send me an email and ask, why the Prudent Bear Fund hasn't done very well when we've had this long period of, of um, you know, bear markets. And I, and I don't agree that it hasn't done well. I think it depends on when, you know, what date you look at the fund, because I, what I can see it's done for my model portfolio is it's reduced the risk a great deal. So the volatility of the portfolio as a whole has been much more even, because in very horrible markets, your, your fund has done extremely well, and that 20 30% that I might have stuck into the Prudent Bear Fund cushioned the blow. But, uh, but how do you respond? To, what, what did you say your fund has done since inception, then? How well has it done? Well, I, I don't have those numbers at my fingertips those numbers today. In front we of you, we yeah. did lose money from 96 to 99. There's uh, no apology for that. We, yeah, of course. Frankly, we're not as good at risk control, and frankly, mining stocks did not help us you know, during no. those periods as much as from 03 to 07. So mm-hmm. uh, the, the first four years we lost money, that was in the midst of uh, part of that was the telecom, Internet uh, bubble, and uh, when, when NASDAQ almost doubled, and we did lose some money. We didn't lose more than 25% in any of those years. Mm-hmm. From 2000 to 2002, however, uh, essentially a 20% investment uh, in the Prudent Bear Fund, 
would have grown to 45% of your overall portfolio. That's mm-hmm. really our period that we did the best. And your other 80% of the portfolio over that period would have declined to 40%. So mm-hmm. essentially, if you look at utilizing us as a hedge, uh, we did uh, exactly what we, we were expected to over that period. Now, from 2003 to 2007, uh, the S&P nearly doubled. Uh, an investment in Prudent Bear Fund would have only lost about 3% because we lost money from 03 and 04. However, in 05, 06, and 07, we made money every year. And we did that through judicious stock selection, plain defense, and also holding precious metals mining companies. Right, you you do. So you take a long position primarily in gold mining or silver precious metals mining companies. Is that right? Do you have any other long positions besides uh, precious no, metals we, mining? No, we don't now. Uh, uh-huh. However, we have expanded it to resource companies, and, mm-hmm. and we can actually invest in energy or agriculturally oriented companies. We haven't done that a lot yet, but we have the ability to. Okay, and uh, what um, what sort of percentage would you say you have in precious metal stocks? So let's say how much, how, what percentage of your portfolio is long and what percentage is short, uh, more or less? We're, at this time. we're normally in the range of between 70 and 80% short. Uh, I'm, I'm not in touch with the exact numbers over the last couple yeah. of weeks, given the holiday, but sure. uh, it, it's in the range of 75% today, and, and our long exposure is in this. Seven eight percent range. Now, when it comes to junior gold, or when it comes to gold mining stocks, are you more uh, in favor of the seniors, those that have a lot of liquidity, the companies, the bigger household name companies, or do you look at some of the junior mining companies as well? We we look at both the juniors, the seniors, and the intermediates. Uh, we've changed the portfolio a little bit over uh, the last year, where we've become more diversified, and we've uh, come to invest a little bit more in uh, producing companies and not quite as heavy of a percentage in the, the rank exploration juniors. Well, last fall, after the Lehman Brothers decline, uh, the junior sector, which I'm very much involved with, um, that was a very, very painful time, and it was very difficult. There was a period of time when the juniors could not get financing, and if you didn't have a lot of cash, on your books, a lot of these juniors, you know, basically fell by the wayside or they were in big trouble. Uh, is that a concern you see going forward with the juniors? And, and, I mean, a fund like yours has to be able to have some liquidity for redemptions and so forth, right? Is that so? Is that one of the reasons you've gone more towards the producers? We were uh, badly hurt in 08, and our overall performance was not as good as we would have expected for 08. We were up 27% uh, in, in that year because of our gold stock uh, performance, and our juniors mm-hmm. certainly hurt us. We had uh, cut back our uh, exposure to that sector prior to the decline. However, it was not small enough. Uh, and certainly, uh, Doug Nolan has taken over running the fund day-to-day. Lila Manasseh is now running the uh, resource portfolio, and it is both both of their choices to uh, be oriented a little bit more towards uh, a higher percentage in producers. But what happened in 08 was certainly a uh, contributor to that. Well, you could certainly say that we've had now a nice run since about 2002 in the gold mining sector. 
And I've certainly seen the evolution of a lot of junior mining companies into the producing sector. So as this bull market matures, then there are going to be more companies that are producing. Um, just, just That's just the way things are if you're progressing and, and the conditions are favorable for the industry. Do you see, David, the possibility of, of some takeovers? Do you see that as a... You know, uh, coming down the pike here with the big guys needing to find juniors that have a lot of ounces in the ground that may not have the rest of the resources to put it into production. Oh, that's certainly been the case, and it's been the the case over the last uh, ten years. Frankly, the, the seniors are not the companies that can uh, replace the reserves and expand the reserves. Mm-hmm. They simply aren't entrepreneurial enough. They don't really. Uh, do well in that area. It's normally the entrepreneurial juniors that do well there, and therefore the seniors, in trying to prevent their reserves from, you know, falling off a cliff, uh, have to uh, acquire. Well, that that certainly has been uh, has has been the experience that we've seen here, and I I can tell you that uh, we're looking at some very very interesting companies in my newsletter and on this show that I think have the chance to become real big winners. Now, one of the people we've had on our show here in the past has been Bob Hoy. Do you know Bob Hoy? Yes, I do. I greatly respect him. Okay. Well, Bob has made the observation that over the last 300 years, uh, there have been about six major, well, he thinks this is the sixth major credit contraction. He's looked at, you know, six major credit expansion, credit contraction periods. The first four were U.K.-centric because the pound sterling was the world's main currency, and the 1930s then, of course, and this one now being U.S. dollar or U.S.-centric. And Hoy has made the observation that as the contraction period gets underway in these major cycles, that you start to see the real price of gold going up very dramatically. Now, I noticed that after last year, after the Lehman Brothers failure, that we saw, you know, everything collapsed in price, but gold not nearly as much so as a lot of the other uh, as, as a lot of the other commodities, energy materials that are used for mining, and we saw labor become available now more readily than was than was true before that. Has that been your experience? I, that's one question. And secondly, then, what about this notion that we could be in a long-term bull market for gold mining, not just gold, but gold mining that Hoy sees? Do you do you think that's possible? Oh, I certainly see that. And when you talk about 08, when we had a deflationary collapse, and certainly gold mining companies fell apart. Uh, but the actual price of bullion was actually up slightly for the year, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so that shows how uh, gold does in a uh, environment such as that. Now, there, there's always uh, confusion about gold's uh, performance during deflation, and the, the naive public seems to think that gold is only an inflationary hedge, and it's, right. or they, they believe that during deflation that it will decline. Now, right. uh, frankly, gold does well in both deflationary environments and inflationary environments, and that's what makes it such an outstanding investment. It's, mm-hmm. uh, we, we have a credit-based system, and frankly, people are losing confidence in credit. And we have uh, fiat money around the world, and therefore people are losing faith in currencies. And that's why gold does well. And therefore, uh, 
there, there will be periods of uh, deflationary uh, expectations, and in fact, we think we're, we're still fighting it today, that gold mining companies can go down, but then uh, when, when you see through the fact that the, the metal should continue to rise, uh, obviously the mining companies are a derivative of that, and if you're, you're mining the, the metal that's increasing in price, longer term, mining companies should do very well. And, and that's why gold stocks did extraordinarily well this year uh, after the uh, decline that they experienced in '08. Yes, and it's very interesting. I note also, David, I think it was in 2007, I'm not sure exactly when gold first pierced through $1,000 an ounce, the shares actually had a bad year that year, but everything else was going up. Energy, uh, oil, and you know all the costs of producing it were going up faster. Right. Now, one thing that we've seen is that there's been uh, a lot of attention to mining stocks, and, and in 07 and 08, we, we had a lot of hedge funds uh, that were leveraged, uh, playing uh, commodity-oriented plays, and they got into the mining sector and the junior mining sector, and uh, simply they, they had uh, redemptions, et cetera, and they had to search for liquidity, and they had to sell. They, they sold what they had to sell, not, or what they were able to sell, not necessarily what they wanted to sell then, perhaps. Exactly. But I, I think that most people, even these hedge fund managers, see gold as just a commodity and not as money. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. I think there's still... Uh, naive uh, naivete about that. There's not a deep, deep academic understanding of uh, gold being met. We had um, we had Robert Prechter on our show some time ago, and you know I always thought that Robert was such a bear on gold until I had him on the show, and I realized that he's not really that bearish on gold. In fact, he thinks that gold will go up versus most everything else. Of course, he is one of the greatest deflationists in the world, I would guess. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that, any predictions? I mean, first of all, I guess maybe what we want to ask you, I know I want to ask you this, but it's whether we get to it now or on the other side of the break, and that is, do you, which side of the, of the argument do you come down on? Do you think we're headed for serious deflation or inflation, or are you agnostic with respect to that question? Well, it, it certainly is, is a dilemma that... that uh, everyone is dealing with, and Jimmy Rogers and I used to talk about this maybe 12, 15 years ago, and it's truly been a battle royale between the inflationary forces and the deflationary forces because that's how these credit uh, uh, manias eventually end. And Bernanke is doing everything he can to uh, turn it into the inflationary side. Uh, however, the, the deflationary forces are... Uh, extraordinary. And so I, I, Bob Prechter still believes that we, we will have massive deflation, and then when the credit system implodes, that that's when we could get the uh, hyperinflationary blow-off. When, and, that, and, he, and he doesn't say that it has to exist, but he can see that happening. Uh, oh, okay. I wasn't aware that, his, that that was his view, that we could actually see uh, a hyperinflationary situation come out of this. Yes, he, he really does. Uh, so uh, now I, I do believe that uh, we are going to have at least hints of deflation and, and some very severe 
deflation. Now, can the Fed turn that into inflation by uh, essentially uh, getting the velocity of money to increase again? Uh, I'm still uh, struggling with that myself. I do believe that there will be deflation at least for another year, uh, but then two to three years out, we will start facing some inflation. Uh, so, so that so that uh, so that we could really see. Uh, I mean, it, it really is a tough issue, but it's a very important one because it has everything to do with how we invest our money. Would you agree with that? Well, gold though, it has a lot I to do with. Will it. do well in any of those environments, uh, right? But uh, so that that's that's why I'm so extraordinarily positive about gold. Now, okay, uh, stocks are going to uh, decline, in my opinion in any of those environments, although there are some people that believe that the inflation will start off fairly quickly, and therefore they believe that the S&P doesn't even have to decline in nominal terms uh, because people will buy the S&P as a uh, store of, of real assets and that, mm-hmm. that will increase in value. And they, you know, I think Mark Faber has even said that we will not break back through that 666 low on the S&P. I okay, personally so- don't, don't, don't agree with that. Okay, so Mark thinks we won't see the old lows uh, of March of last year uh, violated. I believe he did. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think James Turk would be in that camp as well. Uh, James is an inflationist. We have other inflationists on our show. Uh, John Williams, the economist John Williams, who thinks we're going, uh, we could very well start to see the beginnings of hyperinflation before the end of this year, and. John, uh, of course, one thing that we do know from history is that hyperinflations, when they take off, can be very, very rapid occurrences, right? Yes. Now, I, I greatly respect John's work. I, I don't quite agree with him that we're going to get to a hyperinflationary uh, outcome quite so quickly. I, I can see that coming down the road, uh, dependent upon uh, how the the Treasury auctions go and, and the extent to which we will continue to uh, be involved in quantitative easing, et cetera, I can see that happening, happening. but I think it's, it's got to be two or three years down the road, in my opinion. Okay, David, we're going to go to a, to a commercial break now. I'd like to have you come back for another few minutes on the other side of the break. Can you, be, can you stay with us for a little longer? Yeah, thanks, Jay. For a, a few more minutes? Okay, great. We're going to have you right back then. I want to ask you uh, where you think we're going to go in the next year, and I've got some more things uh, along the lines of inflation, deflation, uh, also some other sectors, and I'd like to hear what you think about the economy and, and where some of the big vulnerabilities are. So we'll be right back with David Tice after this commercial break. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network.
Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm here with David Tice, and we also have uh, Roger Wiegand and Chen Lin on the line. They may uh, throw in a question or two to David. Uh, David, before we get to my partners here, I would like to just ask you 
what sectors do you think um, uh, you know are really negative? Do you do you see real estate, for example, as still the major problem? Or if you ever did, I, I mean, real estate is generally and commonly thought of as the you know the the major problem that we're facing here. Do you see the real estate market straightening out anytime soon, or are there other sectors of our economy that you think are really in in big trouble? Oh, I think real estate is in huge trouble. I think there's been a policy of pretend and extend uh, where banks are not really uh, marking their mortgage-backed securities to market. Uh, there uh, a lot of foreclosures are being delayed. Uh, some, some homes, uh, there's lots of homes where interest is not being paid, but they're simply not, you know, uh, they're, they're still on the books as if they're carrying interest. Uh, we think the commercial real estate uh, companies uh, are uh, stocks to be avoided right now. We think any of the consumer discretionary stocks should be avoided. Uh, we think that uh, additionally financial stocks should be avoided. Any stocks, frankly, a lot of the riskiest, crummiest companies have levitated the most over this uh, nine-month period since March uh, and, and we think a lot of those stocks should be avoided. It sounds like you think this is sort of a phony move up then, this, this, uh, what uh, Dr. Robert McHugh refers to as a B-wave up. Do you think we're still in a secular bear market and that this is just a bounce off the, bat, off the bottom, an initial bounce, and that we, that, that we could see the March lows then violated and we see the equity markets going below that? Uh, I certainly see that, yes. You do. And you're... Uh, so... Going forward this year, you're not, well, I guess you're the bear market fund. Uh, at some point, you might turn bullish on the equity markets. Is there anything in the world that would get you to, to, to change your mind and, and say, hey, I don't want to be a bear anymore? Right now, we are so profoundly bearish, Jay, and we see so many flaws in, in the economic thinking. Uh, the market is still uh, way too high. We still have... So much credit in the system that's got to be worked off. Uh, we are years away from becoming bullish again. Years away. Years away from being bullish. We've seen, uh, what, two decades in Japan where we've had, you know, I can remember this, the Japanese stock market, um, what was it, in the 1990s, uh, hitting its highs. And I remember I was working as a commercial banker at the time and, and going to lunch with this Japanese fellow from a Japanese uh, concern and he was talking about how privileged he was at this point, at that point in time, to be Japanese because he felt everything was was working in their favor. Now we've had two decades of bear markets in Japan. Do you see another decade? This was a lost decade for the U.S. equity market. So you're seeing another, possibly another decade of of, of weak equity market activity here in the U.S. Weak or worse? I certainly see that. As you said, Jay, uh, the, the Nikkei was at uh, forty thousand at the mm-hmm. end of 1989, where 20 years later, we're 75% below that level. Uh, we, we had a bad decade uh, for the last 10 years, but, but frankly, it, it, it was really fairly flat. I think over the last 10 years, uh, the, the, the market's been down, what, 1% a year or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a lot worse than that, and this decade, I'm predicting, will be worse than the last decade. Substantially so. so. Well, well uh, we mentioned Bob Prechter earlier on. We've also had Ian Gordon, who I know you know. Uh, Ian uh, has recently written a paper called uh, Why 1,000 Dow is Not a Silly Idea. 
Uh, would you take it that? I mean, you know, it was interesting. I had both Ian and Bob Prechter on my show at the same time, and Ian says, "You know, Bob, I'm 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 pretty bullish compared to you. I'm looking for a Dow 1000, and Prechter's looking for something below that. I guess. I mean, could you see something that extreme, David? I I, I really can, and I I really don't want to make a public forecast of a level that low, but right. I I would not be surprised about that at all. Well, and you see that as an outcome of the sort of permissive credit creation, um, credit being extended beyond the ability of the system to sustain it, uh, to, to service it. Yeah, now, the, the, the one reason that we might not get to that level as well is some of the James, James Turk and Mark Faber arguments about uh, where, where there's such uh, inflationary you know, forces in, in the environment uh, such that, Stocks, you know, and end up possessing a little bit of a, you know, hedge against a, a decline in purchasing power, and therefore, sure. uh, you know, we, we we could certainly fall below 666. I'm using 400 for my S&P 400, S&P 500 forecast, but uh, it, I, I do think there will be some uh, positive effects of uh, just, just the inflation that we have in the system, keeping uh, nominal stock prices somewhat elevated. Right, nominal stock prices. That's that's a that's a word that needs to be hammered home. I think because it's what, you know, and that's why I think we should look at the Dow to gold ratio or Dow to stocks. We've seen the Dow to gold ratio go to a one to one ratio over the last hundred years. Whenever we've seen major bear markets approach a one to one level, so I guess if you're an inflationist you, and you believe that we're going to see that again, you could see a very high gold price and a very high nominal stock price, but really it doesn't matter so much. It's what will announce a gold buy. Do you agree with that? Oh, I uh, very much agree with that. And and I am a believer in the one-to-one gold-to-Dow ratio. And so the, 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 if, if, if they keep the Dow levitated, then this, the gold price goes up higher. Yeah, the gold, but an ounce of gold keeps buying what an ounce of gold has, has bought pretty much more or less through history. So people people protect themselves. I want to ask. Uh, uh, we were just talking about Japan, and Roger Wiegand had some interesting observations. I think Roger, did you have a question for David on his views of the Japanese bond market? And, and let me also just mention, just throw out there, the the notion that some people are saying the biggest bubble of all is yet the the debt market, the U.S. Treasury market, and the sovereign debt market. Would you agree with that, David? Uh, yes, I think that is the the new bubble, the sovereign debt market. Yes. Okay, Roger, did you have some thoughts on Japanese debt? And would you like to throw a question out to David? Well, the first, the first statement is, is that, uh, you know, in the U.S., a lot of the paper uh, in the bonds and notes market from the United States is sold to foreign people, uh, primarily Japan, Korea, and China, and a few others, probably India and maybe some in Europe, but mostly China and Japan. Uh, yet in Japan, they finance internally, um, they, they raise the money uh, within their own country, within their own markets primarily. Some of it is sold to foreigners, but not really all that much. And I think they're kind of caught in a position now where they're kind of chasing their tail. And I would be interested to think, uh, to listen to David's ideas on where Japanese bonds are going to go and where Asia is going to go in general because of that. David, works. We're extremely concerned about the Japanese bond market. I believe that uh, their uh, debt situation, they're at 200% of GDP in terms of 
their government debt uh, that's massively higher than in the U.S. We have, uh, and, and unfortunately, they have a demographic situation where their population has gotten so much older that's that they are no longer saving. And, and as Roger said, uh, they were able to get through this period in the past because they essentially lent money to themselves. They had a saving population, and they were able to buy their own government debt. Now they are in a dis-savings mode because their population is so much older, and the biggest holder of JGBs is now uh, having to sell their JGBs instead of being the largest purchaser of those. What that means for uh, government bond yields is ominous. We think uh, government bond yields are going to go substantially higher in Japan, uh, and, and, and the yen will go lower. Um, so that could really have a profound effect on our markets here as well, I would think. Yes, it can. And what about China, David? Everybody's looking to China to bail us out. There are some concerns about the Chinese real estate market, that the Chinese, you know, because it's so much a command economy yet, and they're doing really the policies of China look very much like our, like our policymakers, really. Um, I don't see too much difference, it seems, in many ways, although I suppose we still have some remnants of free markets here that the Chinese don't have. But are you concerned at all about the Chinese imploding, that, that market imploding? Because everybody sort of thinks that China's on automatic pilot and everything's going to just keep on going positively for China. But just interested in knowing what your thoughts are on that. Oh, there's some very smart people that are worried to death about a Chinese implosion. And I concur with that view. Jim Chanos recently was quoted saying that uh, he felt like the Chinese infrastructure bubble was potentially a thousand to a million times bigger than that of Dubai. And and he well, that's 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 a that's that's just a profound uh, scary thought. David, I want to thank you so much for being with us. Before we let you go, though, I want you to tell our listeners where they can learn more about the Federated Prudent Bear Fund. You can go to prudentbear.com. Uh, Doug Noland and the team are doing an outstanding job running that fund. Doug writes a commentary every week. The Credit Bubble Bulletin that shouldn't be missed comes out on Friday. And uh, I appreciate your having me on, Jay. Thank you very much. Well, well, thank you, David, so much for having you on. You're, you're a great friend. You've been an inspiration to me, and thank you so much. Uh, let's keep working uh, to try to turn hard times into good times. Thank you, Jay. Keep up, keep up the great work. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to be right back with Pat Gorman. Uh, he's uh, a coin dealer, a uh, precious metals coin dealer, and he's going to give you some ideas not only on how you can buy gold and silver uh, bullion, but how uh, also some ideas about the gold markets and where he thinks the gold and silver markets are going. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Pat Gorman. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well-positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm delighted to have Pat Gorman here. Pat is the proprietor of Resource Consultants. And, um, Pat, let it be known at the break that, uh, well, 
he, I didn't describe his occupation very well. So, Pat, could you uh, welcome to our show, first of all. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jay. It's, uh, it's going to be a good time. No, you said something about it sounded like I, was, I ran a coin shop, and yeah. I don't run a coin shop. I ran a precious metals brokerage firm, actually the most recommended precious metals brokerage firm in the country. I also write a financial newsletter, as as um, as you know, and I have a uh, wealth protection conference every year, which you're going. You and Roger Wiegand are both going to be at. Oh so. yes, and that is a lot of fun. You have uh, some other great guests, uh, also. You, uh, Richard Mayberry, was there last year. Will he be there again this year? He's going to be there uh, one way or the other. If he can't make it, we're going to put him on the jumbotron. Oh, I hope he's there in person. And, and I, well, it's, it really depends. That's really funny because I have a call in to Ron. We won't say the last name. We all should know who that is. Uh-huh. And he's looking at his schedule, and he may come also. Ah, uh, wow! That would be fun, huh? Oh, that would be fantastic. Oh, he's really would really like to find the time about. to come. Oh, that so, would be absolutely pray for me, Jay. Ab- Absolutely fantastic, and by the way, I think, well, I'm, I'll talk to you privately about this, but in any event, uh, Ian McAvity is there, too. Right, Ian McAvity Deliberations. I call him the chartist chartist. I mean, this guy is so good with charts, you know that. Oh, oh he's and so not good only with he charts, good with charts, he blows you he's away. a great speaker. Oh, and a and great, fantastic so speaker, yeah. You know, I mean, we don't have it posted yet, but... But your listeners can, uh, by the end of this week, we'll have it uh, posted up on our website, buysilvernow.com. And all your listeners and people that, um, um, you know, follow these types of things can, can follow right along and find out all the speakers. we got Arch Crawford, you know, everybody. Yes, Arch anybody. is fantastic. He's been a guest on this show as well. Oh, he's just a fantastic guy. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if you've been reading Archie's re- your recent uh, prognostications, but it doesn't look pretty no, out there. Un- unfortunately, you know, and I, and I was just talking to David Tice about this. I was on a panel discussion uh, with Dennis Gartman, and Dennis was saying, you gold bugs, all you really want to do is see the world go to hell so you can get rich. And I said, oh. nothing could be further from the truth. That's true. We see the world going to hell because of the kind of policies that you're espousing. That's right. Not because we want that to happen, and we're just trying to protect our families anyway. Speaking of protecting our families and our, <laughs> own, uh, our own personal well-being as much as possible, Gold is well over $1,000 now. It may never look back. It may. What do you think? Are we going to see gold fall below 1000 sometime? And, and longer term, what do you see for gold? Well, let me just say this. I, no, I mean, usually January and the first quarter of every year is, is seasonality for gold and silver, especially gold, uh, is usually pretty to the upside. So I don't see us falling below $1,000 again, quite possibly in in our lifetime, unless we have a totally revamped monetary system, mm-hmm. totally revamped, okay, which we may have to do when this thing is all over with, I don't know. Uh, I believe, if you want my, I'm not a real big predictor, but I think the first quarter we may, you know, run to as much as 13, 1350, and I do believe that gold will touch, not necessarily close there, but gold will touch $2,000 in 2010 or more. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty dramatic rise for one year. But uh, but when you look at the amount of money that's being created out of nothing, maybe it's not so dramatic. It really isn't. You know, you, if you look at you and I have had this debate back and forth, inflation, deflation, inflation, yeah. deflation, Jay, for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think this is the year where you're going to see the you know the back room inflation that's been building in the back room. You're going to see it on the main street. I think this is the year you're going to start to see real inflation hit everybody. 
and you're going to see it hit uh, prices of everything we buy. Is that not, and imported goods. Let's say the dollar really. Do you see the dollar crashing? And if so, I guess that could mean imported goods could go up very dramatic. Would go up to very dramatically. Um, yes, they will go up very dramatically, and I see the dollar taking a, a further hit. You know, one of the reasons gold, you know, ran up over twelve hundred dollars, and then started to come back, came off about a hundred bucks. Uh, listen to this one. This is, you probably already know this, but maybe your listeners haven't been told this. This just blew me away. You know, there's a there's like what seventeen or eighteen fiat currencies around the world, and some of those fiat currencies around the world in different countries, their currency is backed by the dollar. And what I understand has been happening is those countries, Jay, have been printing money to buy the dollar with that money to prop the dollar up. Ah. Uh, oh, my God, is that going to be ugly or what? The whole thing is just phony baloney. Uh, I mean, I don't, you, know, you, you, just, you just get frustrated. You get really upset. But, you know, the reality with gold is this. The reality with gold is I don't think it's going under $1,000, Jay, but I do believe that you need to look at gold as wealth insurance. You know, you and I, when, when, when these guys were talking about that, especially Gartman, that we want the world to come to an end, that couldn't be further from the truth. Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, I don't want to get in a car accident tomorrow either. I don't want my house to burn down. But I'm not going to not buy insurance. And that's because really what gold is, number one, number two, number three, is insurance. Well, you know, that, that's exactly right. And that's, uh, people should look at gold as a store of value, as a protection of wealth, uh, because as, as David Tice and I were talking, the, the real price of gold, I mean, the gold will buy pretty much what it would bought through the centuries, and our currency is being debased at a very rapid rate. Well, so people need to buy gold and silver bullion. I think they need to start with that. I think that's absolutely. No question. Okay, so how do they go about doing that, Pat? Let's say somebody on this, some listener to this show wants to buy some gold and silver. This is a question. It's not my area of expertise. I follow, I look at gold mining companies and, and at the equity markets and stuff, and I know you look at those things too. But how much money does somebody need to start, let's say, to go to resource consultants or to your... your okay, well, you, you can, you know, the only thing we can't do is cut coins in half. Okay. okay. So, I mean, we, we'll deal with anybody and everybody, and that's one thing that we, you know, we've prided ourselves because it's a passion. You know, Lynn and I, it's a passion to us to help people and in any way that we possibly can help them. Um, so, I mean, what you basically need to do, first of all, is educate yourself. Then go on to our website, buysilvernow.com. There's a lot of good education. We've got a packet of information we would love to send them if they'd like to give us a call or just go to the web inquiry on the, on the website. But... You know, you're looking at, like, American Gold Eagles, Canadian Gold Maple Leafs, Krugerrands, uh, Philharmonics, Mexican Pesos, anything that's a bullion coin. And in my newsletter, Jay, what I do, and I'm the only one that I know of that does it, is I categorize the precious metals. You said gold and silver bullion, especially bullion to start, and I agree with that. But what I do is I, I categorize it, categorize number one, two, and three. Category one is insurance, and if you only want insurance, then that is gold bullion, silver bullion, and bullion coins, okay? And then category two is insurance with a kicker. That might be some lightly circulated older gold coins that have a little bit of premium, and because of their antiquity value, might do a little better than bullion. Category three is speculation. That's what numismatic coins are, is speculation. If you want to get into speculation, that's the way it should be. And by the way, let me just mention this. I, I, you, you, one thing you just said wrong, you said that I follow a lot of mining stocks. I follow you, Jay. That's who I follow. 
Okay. So, I mean, I, That's I, I, I don't have time to know what you know. I follow you when it comes to the mining stocks. When it comes to futures, I follow Roger. I mean, I, you're, you, you know, you guys help me out just as much as I like to help other people out. Well, thank you, and everybody uh, looks to other people for help. Nobody uh, has it all themselves, and uh, we were talking to Chen Lin, who has been the stock picker extraordinaire, I must say, and he is uh, a partner of mine, has been absolutely phenomenal. And like you, I look to Roger for help on the, on the, um, on the futures side of things. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got a couple of minutes here yet. What, uh, what sort of commissions do, can people expect to pay when they, obviously, if they buy a small amount of gold and silver, they're going to pay a bigger percentage in commissions? But what's uh, the not, re, uh, Yes and no, okay? Let's put it, let's put it this way. Um, we're a brokerage firm, so I look on my screen and with the market makers just like um, – you know, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not a Bob's Rock and Coin shop that stacks it up in the back room, okay? So I look at my screen. Whatever the market wants for that particular item, in gold, we charge 2%. Um, and even if they bought one coin, we might charge them an extra buck or two, but nothing outrageous, okay? Um, so we try to keep it as low as possible, but we still have to be in business and make money, okay? Um, sure. You know, silver, you're probably looking at about 3 or 4%. It's not bad at all. Um, and people should be very careful of that. They should shop around. You know, even if they want to shop our prices, go ahead and shop them. You know, if you, yeah. get, a, you get the same service, the same everything for a lower price, I say go for it, okay? Um, Absolutely. It is a very competitive business, so people should, uh, you know, should shop around. And uh, But, again, uh, Pat, your website is uh, buysilvernow.com? Buysilvernow.com. Excellent. Very good. Well, I think we're just uh, running out of time. Oh, we have, a, we have a few more seconds here yet. So let me ask you then, what about silver or gold? Which do you like more at this point? Right now, I am extremely bullish on silver. You are. And well, I, haven't uh, been this I think bullish that when it comes that... down to the inflation-deflation question, you are more of an inflationist than a deflationist. Uh, I'm both. We've talked about this yeah. today. I mean, I think we're having both. I think that we're going to go through a period of nasty inflation, and at the end of that inflation, at the end of this cycle, however they decide to end up, we're going to go through the worst deflationary crash that this country's ever seen. Wow. But I think we're going to inflation first. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Of course, the Austrian definition of inflation, we have it now because it's an increase in the money supply, but as Richard Mayberry points out, if unless people start unless the banks lend and people start borrowing, it's very difficult to expand the system and or the monetary velocity unless people start turning it over, lose confidence in the currency, uh, then it's very difficult to get inflation. But I guess you see that coming then. I see that coming. I see the velocity picking up. You know, you can go all sorts of different reasons, but yeah. you've got a, you've got a major election year next year, Jay, for these boys, and they're not yeah. going to. Nobody's going to get elected if, if it's exactly like it is today. Well, they would just hand out million-dollar checks to everyone, Pat, and get reelected, perhaps. Uh, or promise them anyway. Yeah, exactly <laughs> I don't right. Know if well, hand I'm out. delighted to have you on the show. I'm delighted also that your firm is a sponsor of this show, and we look forward to your words of wisdom on a regular basis, Pat. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week, hopefully. Anytime, Jay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Pat. And and don't go away, folks. We got Kim Harris. She is the CEO of a favorite mining company, in fact, what I called this year my number one pick, a gold mining company with a property in Ghana, West Africa. So don't go away. Uh, You'll hear what Kim Harris has to say, and you'll see why I think this is an outstanding junior gold mining stock selling well under a dollar. We'll be right back with Kim Harris. 
Okay, great. We have Kim. Bye, Pat. Thank you so much. Roger, you there? Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Want to know more about how you can turn financial losses from the most devastating stock market and economic decline since the 1930s into wealth and prosperity? A successful strategy for dealing with adversity requires a proper diagnosis of the problem so that effective remedies can be prescribed. By applying rarely taught Austrian economic theory to policies implemented by our policymakers, Jay Taylor has been able to nearly double the value of his model portfolio since 2000, while the stock market has lost nearly half its value in the worst bear market in decades. At MiningStocks.com, Jay and his associates provide a framework for turning the pains of the current bear market and recession into investment gains. Jay is a frequent radio and TV guest and speaker at investment conferences where he shares his highly profitable Austrian economic insights at a time when most people are seeing their 401ks become 201ks or worse. He is available to share his rare profit-making insights via radio, TV, and public speaking engagements. To profit from Jay's insights, call 718-457-1426 or visit MiningStocks.com to subscribe to his profitable newsletters. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard. It's just a love and ride. 
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and this is the uh, second hour of this week's show. This is a new event for us. We've gone, we've expanded our show from one hour to two hours, and this means we have more time to talk to uh well, to our guest, our special guest, it's always been very frustrating to me that we haven't had more time to talk to some of the people that we've had on our show. It also means that we're going to have more time to uh, to talk to talk to you about various companies and ways that we think you might be able to make money. We've had many very interesting guests on this show uh, that were not specifically focused on making money. We've had Congressman Ron Paul, Ed Griffin, G. Edward Griffin, uh, John Perkins, the author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman, Catherine Austin Fitz. Uh, we've had many of those uh, people uh, who have been fascinating guests, and that's going to continue to be part of this show. But we also want to show you how we think you can uh, profit in this in this environment. It's uh, basically you're not going to get this from the mainstream for the most part, which is why people are listening to this show. Why this show is becoming more and more popular. We have ideas outside of the mainstream. The mainstream has its own interest to protect. It's interested in trying to get you to continue to buy Wall Street's products. And Wall Street can't create gold out of the ground so easily. And it's a very difficult task. Mining, believe me, is, is a very difficult business. But those companies who are able to do it are extreme, can, can make shareholders very, very wealthy. Now, uh, each segment, uh, this segment or one segment of each week, now we're going to start featuring companies that are on Jay's watch list and you can go to jayswatchlist.com that's www.jayswatchlist.com there's uh, companies that are a part of Jay's watch list they're companies that I'm taking a close look at and trying to determine whether or not I want to include them into my newsletter and there have been a couple of companies already that I have picked from Jay's watch list and have recommended them into uh, into my newsletter, and one of those companies is Midlands Minerals. In fact, I named Midlands Minerals as my top pick for 2010 simply because looking at its current share price, its current market cap, relative to what I think they have in the ground and their prospects for producing wealth, I think it was a steal. I think it's a very, very inexpensive stock. It did have a nice day, uh, rose considerably on the first day of this year, but I think it's still a very, very low-priced stock. So what I thought I would do today is have Kim Harris with me. She is the CEO of Midlands Minerals to give us all an overview of Midlands Minerals, where she's taking the company, where she thinks the company can go. So, uh, Kim, I'm very pleased to have you with us. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Well, thank you very much for inviting me over. Uh, Kim, you're up there in Toronto where it's really, really cold today, I think. Yes, it's, uh, we're thinking more and more of our Ghana properties as we look outside and see all the <laughs> what's happening there. <laughs> yeah, I think so. As I sit here in Ohio talking to you, I'm looking at snow out the window and I'm saying, Ghana, tropics, yeah, it sounds pretty good. 
But it's not just because of the hot weather there. You have a pretty hot gold property, I think. Uh, could you tell us the name of your flagship property in Ghana? Well, the flagship property is Cian Properties. It's, it's a past-producing gold mine open pit mm-hmm. that we acquired in October of 2006. And uh, since we acquired it, uh, it's on the Ashanti Belt. It's about 30 kilometers north of Newmont Mining's uh, Achim Mine, where they have 10 million ounces already there, and they're still drilling. And so we're quite hopeful because the structures are similar where we are. And uh, since we acquired CN, we have already found 400,000 ounces resulting from 14,000 meters of drilling. So we're now embarking on a 20,000-meter drilling program, which we hope will take us over the 1 million ounce mark within Mm -hmm. the next few months. Okay, Kim, let me ask you then, with respect to the 20,000 meters, you said meters? Meters, yes. Yes. Uh, with respect to 20,000 meters, are those going to be what are known in the industry as infill, that is, drilling in between where previous drills were put down, or is it going to be some step-out drills that could ex- uh, could uh, verify whether or not the, the gold-bearing structure uh, dimensions is increasing? Well, we're going to do it in two stages, actually. The first stage being infill drilling. We're going where we know what the targets are. We're going where we've drilled in the past. We've already been doing analysis of the, uh, the, the sections, so our drill holes should be where they're supposed to be. And the, the object there, the objective being to reach a million ounces, which we consider to be a threshold for a junior to have reached that level of a million ounces of gold on their property. After we've reached that level, then we can start stepping out. Because at that stage, it's you know, incremental. It's also demonstrating the size of the deposit itself. But the initial part of it, the risk is very limited because we're simply looking at, we're going to familiar places, just putting holes between our previous holes. Okay, so you have the prospects of, I mean, you you expect to go into production very soon, is that right? The property is quite capable of going into production because the CN project, as I mentioned, was a past, is a past producer. So we have all the infrastructure in place, the buildings are there, the water, sewage, it's already there. The power is there. The, the, uh, we have a mining lease, a 30-year mining lease already on the property. So it's ready to go. The environmental permits are in place. All we need there is to increase the tonnage in order to get into production. We also so are you looking to get a million ounces uh, established there before you start producing? Well, we're looking to establish a million ounces and at the same time upgrade at least 30% of those million ounces into a proven reserve. I'm sorry, go ahead. We we need to have, as part of that million ounces, we need need at least 30% of that resource to be in a measured category or proven category. Mm -hmm. Because we really have to be be quite clear where you're getting your ore from. We have to to know where where the uh, deposit is. Right, so you can control the grades. Let me ask you, this is an open pit mine. What sort of average grades do you anticipate? Well, the, the previous miners were getting about 2.3, uh, 2.3 grams per ton, which is exactly what Newmont is getting at Achim. They're getting somewhere mm-hmm. between 2 and 2.3. Uh, we're getting between 2.3 and 2.4 grams, but that's only based on drilling down to 120-meter uh, level. When we go below 120 meters, our grades are double digits, and also the width, the, 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 the old body is, is widening. It's, it's some kind of dilation 
taking place that's giving us wider width below 120 level. At the moment, we're concentrating on uh, up to 120 because the whole point is to demonstrate the open pitable nature of the deposit. Uh, so we're talking about, when you say double digits, we're talking about more than 10 grams, 10 grams or more per, per ton, which means a third of an ounce or so or more of, of gold per ton, more or less, at depth. Yes, we, we've had below 120. We've had grades of 10.8. We've had 20, 24.5. We've had 48.5 grams per ton, below 120 level. I see. Um, that, uh, let me just ask you, I know you've done some preliminary economics here. What do you, how much gold do you expect to produce when you start production, and what would be the operating cost per ounce? I think a lot of it depends on the size. If we get to a million ounces, which is why we're using that as a target, then we would like to, to begin an operation that's producing no less than 30,000 ounces a year as a starting point. Uh-huh. And you can build uh-huh. up from that. The plant is expandable in its capacity. So a lot of it has to do with how much gold is available, how, how fast we can feed the, the, the mill, and uh, which is why we want to get to that million ounces with, with at least 30% of that being a proven reserve, because that would then give us uh, a, a fair amount of material. We also have, um, incidentally, about 2 million tons of ore that was mined by the previous owners, which they had graded in different piles, which we... Initially, when we got the property, we thought it was waste rock because that's what how they described it to us. So, um, but as we started to look at it more closely and sample it and so on, we're discovering that in fact it's it's low grade ore. That mm-hmm. is, uh, some of the the samples that we've done are coming up with a gram. We're now going to drill those ore piles. Uh, in this next round of drilling, we're going to drill RC drill through the the uh, these low grade ore piles, and then. We'll what the lab tells us is actually there because you see it's it's two million tons of material already mined all we need to do is carry it from where it is into the mill for processing so yeah. there's no mining yeah. cost there that's all very low cost but let's get back to the open pit uh or that use let's say you more or less what do you think your cost per ounce would be uh under certain assumptions if you can talk about that i think you've we've talked about that in the past perhaps we would say no more than $350 an ounce. That's being quite conservative. Okay, so people can do, they can do their arithmetic. They can look at 30,000 ounces. They can look at $1,000 gold. They can look at $350 cost. And they can yes. figure what your operating cash flow could be if things work out that way. Yes. The previous owner... And how many, sh- how many shares of stock are out now, Kim? And um, how many do you... It's hard to know in the future because you are going to have to raise some capital to put this into production at some point, right? Well, we are, but the the capital that we need to put it into production is project financing. So, so mm-hmm. if we finance the debt, we can rehabilitate the plant without diluting uh, any of the shareholders. You may have to give some upside away, though, in terms of a gold loan. Well, I, I think a lot of them just simply finance. Uh, we've got banks already uh, that have been approaching us. Sure. With, Financing to to rehabilitate the plant and to to get the production side of things moving. Mm-hmm. How many shares of stock are outstanding now, more or less, and what is your fully diluted number? Well, we're around eight. It's about just over eighty million um, shares out there right now. Fully diluted will be um, about ninety-eight or so. Okay. Including and your share price today? I haven't had a chance to look today, but what is it? 
Well, we've been going between 35 cents, and I think we had a high of uh, 40, in excess of 42. Uh-huh. It might uh-huh. have gone up to 44 at one time, and bids were up to 41. Mm-hmm. Well, I would just invite our listeners to take a look at this uh, at this company and look at the, uh, you know, do the math, look at what's possible in terms of cash flow. And, Kim, we haven't really talked about the upside potential, but I believe you think this has, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but the that this property has the potential to become a multi-million ounce deposit. It's got all. It's got the signature on it for a multi-million ounce deposit because what we're looking at is um, we look at the other mines that are that are the mega mines in the area, and we look at Newmont's uh, a mine, which is the most similar, I think, in terms of structures to ours, to our Cian and our Prasso property, because it has the same granite. It's got the same Dixcove granite and the greenstone, and where they're getting their gold is where those two, where the granites and the greenstone have the contact, you know, those corridors where the, those two structures meet. And mm-hmm. that's what we have quite extensively on, on our Prasso property. So well, when Kim, we look at uh, mountain, they have 21 million ounces at a half hole, and they're still drilling, and we look at we're sitting on similar structures. For us, it's a matter of having the right level of financing and, and focusing our efforts on, on, you know, going where we're going right now, which is just find those ounces and uh, identify the, the potential ounces and then just, uh, you know, go for it. Okay, Kim, thank you so much. We're just out of time here. But, folks, I would oh, – can you tell us what your website is so people can follow the company that way? The website is uh, midlandsminerals.com, and our TSX uh, ticker symbol is M-E-X. And we've been trading uh, for about five years now on the uh, TSX Venture Exchange. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kim Harris, for your uh, for sharing your your company's uh, features with our listeners. And uh, we hope to have you on again sometime. Good luck, and I want to keep in touch with you so I can keep my subscribers abreast of what's going on. It is, folks, one of my it is my top pick for the for 2010. We're going to come right back with Roger Wiegand to wrap up this week's session. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. Apollo Gold is a gold-producing and exploration company that recently brought the brand-new Black Fox Mine into production. Apollo's 100% owned Black Fox Mine is located in the world-renowned gold-producing district of Timmins, Ontario, Canada. It's expected to produce over 100,000 ounces of gold annually. Apollo Gold also has tremendous potential for additional gold discovery as they continue their current exploration program on their recent new discovery at the Gray Fox property, which is adjacent to the Black Fox Mine, as well as its new land acquisition of Pike River. With gold prices near an all-time high, investors should consider Apollo Gold as an outstanding opportunity to invest in an undervalued junior gold mining company, well positioned to take advantage of a bull gold market. Apollo Gold trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol AGT and on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol APG. Visit Apollo's website at www.apollogold.com. Apollo Gold, a golden opportunity for investment. 
I am Jay Taylor, your host for Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Gold has risen from $250 to well over $1,200 since 2002. That has greatly improved gold mining profit margins and profits for gold investors. But mining stocks are very risky, so you do need to know which stocks have the best chance of success. I believe Magellan Minerals, traded Toronto under the symbol MNM, is one such company. That's why it is a top pick of my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Go to MagellanMinerals.com website to learn more. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome to the human race. Some kind of love and ride. I'll be sliding down, I'll be gliding down. Try not to try too hard, it's just a love. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Sign up for Jay's newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold, Energy, and Tech Stocks at www.miningstocks.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. This is the wrap-up session for our first two-hour show ever, and I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and want to thank also Roger Wiegand for being with us. Uh, Roger, welcome back. Nice to be here, Jay. So, Roger, I want to just ask you, how did you do last year? What areas did you make money most on, and where do you think we're going next year? I mean, I should say this year. Where are we headed this year? Where do you think people should focus their efforts and their investing, uh, their investing dollars? I think for the year 2010, we've got a first half that looks very good for most of the markets. Uh, shares, not the bonds market, but shares. Uh, in the mainstream, but more particularly in the gold and silver, which we're after, uh, we've got a new format in our newsletter, and we're we're going to be opening up probably this week. Uh, I did send a trading alert today, told people to wait. I want to be sure uh, things are settled where I want them to be in the next day or two, and then we're going to get started. Uh, we cleaned out uh, three or four of the uh, of the ideas that didn't work out. I've got about twenty or twenty five of those that did well last year uh, in the futures and commodities, which I trade personally. I think I closed out the year at around uh, 95% up, which was pretty good. Mm. Uh, we can only trade, obviously, or invest when an opportunity prevents it, uh, presents itself uh, if you trade on technicals, which is what we do. Uh, the buy and hold group, which you're in, Jay, uh, don't trade as often, but uh, you've done exceedingly well, and uh, I think this year is going to be even better simply because uh, the pressure is on uh, stocks in the first half. In the second half, we're going to be probably doing some short selling. Okay, Roger, what about the bond markets? Do you see some money to be made on the short side of the, uh, the long U.S. Treasury markets this year? We tried to short the bond market using the uh, TBT ETF. Uh, we had two or three false starts. Uh, we did not do well with it last year because the, the markets were propped by the government. I think at this particular point, sometime this year, uh, there's going to be a drop. 
And I would suggest this time around that if somebody wants to buy the ETF and short it, we're looking at the number on the long bond of 111. That, that should really give us a pretty good indicator of where it's going to go. Uh, the March long bond today is at 115.28. Uh, previously, it was at 123. So we've got a little bit to drop before we would enter short. Okay, Roger, and uh, we want people to know that they can uh, take out a trial subscription on your letter to see if it's something that they can profit from, and they can do that by calling Claudio Bossi at 718-457-1426. That's 718-457-1426. And we have a $49 trial that we offer for your uh, for people that might want to just check it out. And, Roger, you produce a very prolific newsletter once a week and also some trading uh, uh, alerts from time to time, right? Yes, we do. We, whenever we see something that we should alert on, we send an email to, to your office, and then Claudio, who the manager there, gets it sent out promptly so that people can take full advantage. And I think uh, we might remind our listeners that they should visit our website at webeatthestreet.com to see the latest information from both Jay and Roger as to what we're doing. And the other thing we might remind them is uh, the Vancouver Resource Conference is coming this month on the 17th and 18th of January, and they've already got over 10,000 people pre-registered. It's going to be a fabulous show. Well, that sure sounds like it. Roger, we're just we're really running out of time now, so we're going to have you on next week, of course. Uh, folks, I want to thank you for listening to this show again. Uh, again, call Claudio Bossi. You can get trial uh, subscriptions, low-cost ones for Chen, Roger, myself. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, the producer of this show, the executive producer, Tacey, Tacey Trump, uh, Ruben Colombe, the operations manager, and Justin Jackman, who is my engineer, uh, for making this show logistically possible. I want to remind you that next week we have another excellent guest, John Hathaway, who manages the Tocqueville Gold Fund, will be with us. John is one of the smartest, nicest, classiest guys in this business, and he's very, very modest. He has some words of wisdom that are absolutely golden. You won't want to miss John Hathaway next week. And again, thanks to all of you for listening to our show. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now the thing about time is that time isn't really real. It's just your point of